Welcome back to the Logan and Jake Take Podcast. Uh, I'm Jake, and with me today I have my fiance, Savvy, filling in for Logan, who is off doing important things. Um, and we're going to fill in as best we can in Logan's stead. We're going to talk about lots of things today. Um, Sorry for getting the episode out a little bit later uh, than intended. Got home late last night, was not able to record. So um, we're recording a day late, which is why you are receiving the podcast a little bit later. It's definitely not going to be the same trying to find some kind of song to play or to sing in the background just so Logan can be like, we don't have the rights to that. Oh, no. We have a perfect setup for that, honey. We do. We have a perfect setup for that because we're literally starting the podcast by talking about a song. Really? And I'm going to sing every verse that we have to talk about. So he's going to be really not happy when he hears it. (laughs) So he'll actually listen to this episode. I would imagine he listens. I, I hope he listens so. to all of them. We don't. I ha- hope so too. Uh, Logan, player, if you're listening, you better be. You you better be listening because we don't have enough uh, of an audience right now to justify you not listening to your own podcast. So uh, let's uh, let's make sure you're doing that. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, uh, before we get into all of the 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 details of things, Savannah, how was your week? <sighs> that good, huh? Yeah, something like that. So this is a verbal medium, so you have to make yeah, sure that you say something. But no, I mean, I'll just go with because I think you'll understand, and then our viewers will later, listeners. Shma. Uh, yeah. uh, okay. Well, I know you probably can't hear her. What she's doing is, uh, she's. She's mocking a character in a movie that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. Um, Jerry was awesome. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, I don't know about all that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, we're going to start today with um, talking about well, a, wait, you a fan letter. You didn't tell how your week was. Uh, my week was the same as all weeks. Um, except this week was a little crummier because I was sick for most of it. Yeah. I missed three days of work uh, with all sorts of various ailments. Had to go to the doctor and get tests run. Have more tests to be run next week. So, yeah, that was fun. Um, anyways, thanks for listening. Uh, those of you who have been listening in other countries, uh, we are thrilled on behalf of Logan and myself. Thank you again for listening. Um, our numbers continue to rise. Um, every time we check... To see what our totals are our episodes are consistently getting more play so we're very excited about that and we thank everyone who's been listening everyone who's been donating anyone who's in any way contributed to the podcast so i wanted to start this week's episode by talking about um a an email logan and i received at the logan and jake take podcast lnjpod at gmail.com yes lnjpod at gmail.com mm-hmm. what uh, is it? Uh, it was from Savannah <laughs> so I got really <laughs> I got really excited to see that there was a message and then I, I realized it was from Savannah so <laughs> guilty which was sweet but she could have just you know looked at me 
and ask the question. But um, it would be more fun because then you got mail. You you keep saying every week, you guys are looking for mail. Yeah, I so mean, it, I was like, <clears throat> ah, here's a question because you, you were just talking about last week. Well, we did get mail from Savannah, and she says that uh, she would like for us to discuss what are the things that Meatloaf won't not do for love. So, if you'll recall a few weeks ago, Meatloaf passed away, and uh, Logan and I made mention of that on the podcast, and uh, I briefly discussed... Uh, his hit song from 1993, I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. And how people to this day still ask, what's that? And up until the day he died, Meatloaf said it was his second most asked question he ever got. What was the first most asked question? How did he get his name? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so Meatloaf answered this question a bunch of times, Okay. But for those of you who don't listen to Meatloaf, don't care to go look up his answer, uh, have not figured it out for yourself, um, there are different phrases in the song that answer this question. The short answer to the question of what is it that Meatloaf won't do for love is whatever line he sings at the beginning of each chorus is what he won't do for love. Because it goes... I'm going to list the thing I won't do, and then I'm going to repeat, I'd do anything for love, but I just won't do that over and over again. Right? Um, it but might be better to have an it's example. The, it's the repetition of, well, yeah, I'm about, I'm about to say it. Yes, it. It would be the repetition of the way that Jim Steinman wrote that confused people, because... Meatloaf would repeat, I'd do anything for love so many times that they would forget what he said at the beginning of the chorus. So, there are six distinct uh, actions that he will not do for love. Four of them are things he himself says that he will not do. That I could identify. Okay? Okay. The first one, Meatloaf sings, but I'll never forget the way you feel right now, oh no. That's the first one. He goes on to say, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. What's that? I'll never forget the way you feel right now. Right? He'll never forget the way she feels right now. In that moment. In this beautiful moment that he's sharing with the girl he loves. He'll never forget that. He'd do anything for love, but he won't forget how she feels in that moment. What's the second thing? But I'll never forgive myself if we don't go all the way tonight. He'll never forgive himself if they don't go all the way. You know, he wants to hook up with his girl. He'll never forgive himself if they don't go all the way. He'd do anything for love, but he won't do that. So, he'll never forget the way she feels. Right now, he'll never forgive himself if they don't go all the way tonight. This whole song is him trying to 
Tell her how much he loves her. Yes, but more to the point, it's the whole song is him trying to seduce her. It's just like Paradise by the Dashboard Light, <laughs> where he makes her all of those promises or whatever. These are all of the promises he's making her. Yeah, but his... You could uh, actually... This is like the more positive version of that, well, because Paradise by the Dashboard Light isn't well, that the one where Well, they just, like, in Paradise by the Dashboard Light, they skip everything he says, Right. He he just says that he just says that he told that he made all those promises to her. He's I swore I'd love you to the end of time and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like and now, and this now is this is if you time. took this is if you took Paradise by the that that thirty seconds at the end of that and like extrapolated it into a grand twelve minute song, right? Sounds like um, we need to do a mashup for you. Eh, I don't know. I like those songs to stand on their own, but. What's okay? What's the third? The third? The third one? I mean, it makes sense now, though. But I'll never do it better than I do it with you. So long, so long. He'll never do it better than he's gonna do it with her. He'll never forget this this moment. He'll never forgive himself if they don't do it. He'll never do it better with anybody else. He's piling it on thick here, right? Right. Yeah, he wants sense. this girl. Remember, every song that Meatloaf sings on these Bad Out of Hell albums, really at their core, is about this like angst, teenage angst, like teenage a teenage boy and his hormones going crazy. Um, that's really what they're about. I mean, you know, everyone has their own different interpretations of the songs. Jim Steinman, of course, was always had one idea in his mind of what he thought the songs were about that he never even shared with Meatloaf. Meatloaf always had characters for every song that he never shared with Jim Steinman. Meatloaf always told fans the song means whatever you want mean whatever you want them to mean. But if you just look at the lyrics, it's obvious that a lot of these songs are about yeah. teenagers in love, right? Specifically a teenage yeah. guy with his hormones running crazy. So, the fourth thing is my favorite but I'll never stop dreaming of you every night of my life. No way. He'll never stop dreaming of her every night of his life. Okay? So then, there's the whole, like, there's the big bridge uh, in the song that goes on for like four minutes or something where he yeah. just repeats, I would do anything for love, anything you've been dreaming of. But I just won't do that. And he just repeats that over and over yeah. again, right? Which is why they cut the radio edit from 12 and a half minutes to like six minutes because they, they cut out a lot of the repetition, which is lame. They should just always play the full 12 minutes, in my opinion. But um, then the duet starts. So a lot of people don't even realize it's a duet because the duet doesn't start until the last three minutes of the song, right? first nine minutes is him singing just like paradise there's a duet element yeah. right um and she says uh after a while you'll forget everything well she says after a while you'll forget everything it was a brief interlude of midsummer night's fling and you'll see that it's time to move on so those are two charges there. She's saying, after a while, you'll forget, you'll forget me, and then you'll see that it's time to move on from me. And you'll you'll leave me. You'll break up with me. And he says, 
I won't do that. No, 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 I won't do that. So, those are two things he's saying he won't do. He won't forget her, and he'll never move on from her. Right? And then the last one, at towards the end of the song, she says, sooner or later you'll be screwing around. So, you'll, you'll be cheating on me. And he says, I won't do that. So, he'll never forget the way she feels right now. He'll never forgive himself if they don't go all the way. He'll never do it better with anyone else. He'll never stop dreaming of her every night of his life. He'll never forget her. He'll never move on from her, leave her, and he'll never cheat on her. Those are the things that Meatloaf won't do for love. Okay, so that's seven items in the song. That's awesome. That he will not do. And then he ends it on something that he will do. So, if you if you don't know, now you know. That is what Meatloaf will not do for love. And we do not have the rights to that song. I'd say that on behalf of Logan, who is not here to scream, we don't have the rights to that. Um, <laughs> okay. I can do that. I think anyone who listens to this and, and assumes that we were claiming authorship of Jim Steinman's song... Um, probably needs to clean their ears out but there's the full disclaimer we don't we don't own the lyrics to that song um so yeah that is the the, those are the the seven things that meatloaf will not do for love but he'll do everything else so that's an awful lot people never talk about the things he would do for love which is a lot do a lot of things for love You're sweet. Okay, so um, uh, lately Savannah and I have watched a lot of uh, movies and television together. Some of it has been exquisite. Some of it has been not exquisite. Last night, Savannah and I traveled down uh, to her uh, family home, her parents' house, and um, we were watching a... Uh, an intriguing so, feature film. So, so, so that's where my dad comes into the picture. Like, okay, so I I noticed that me and my brother have the same thing too, where we just watch really obscure movies. Like the description might sound interesting. Like my brother just knows it's weird, and we'll just watch it because it's weird and it's kind of and it turns out to be fun like if there's any of you fan, that are fans of trauma or mystery science theater 3000 that's our kind of thing but my dad has a knack for finding the weirdest stuff he has he they have no internet so they have satellite tv and it, i don't know how he just find he finds these things and we'll sit there because the description sounds decent and then we realize that it is way out of left field way off base from whatever person that made that description ever even mentioned and we'll continue to watch it because it's just so different so strange that it finally has our attention and we know that it's not like this super artful brilliantly made thing but we can't take our eyes off of it yeah i mean i mean we 
I have watched a lot of obscure movies in my day. I own a lot of obscure movies. But do you do but that on I, purpose? <laughs> um, I typically nowadays avoid that just because, um, as I was telling Savannah, because she was asking me if I, you know, if I enjoyed watching that random movie, and, and I was like, you know, there are so many things that I want to watch. There are so many things on my list. There are so many good things, things that I know are good that I really have wanted to watch for a long time that I don't intentionally seek out um, movies that I know are going to be out of left field or head scratchers not as much anymore just because I want to maximize my very little free time. Oh no, my brother and his bestie, they once watched a movie about a tire. Like, the character was a tire. The tire that kills people? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know know that one. Yeah, yeah, like, intentionally. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, when it comes to horror movies. When it comes to horror movies, I've seen a a good deal of horror movies that are obscure and random, but, like, when it comes to just, like, in general, if I see, if I'm clicking through TV and I see a movie. um, But, you know, it seems like that's more on brand specifically for sci fi or horror. Or like the sci-fi horror crossover, yeah. like you get the really, really, really weird stuff. But you know, another thing I was thinking about is, especially if it's older, it doesn't really. When you don't have cable, and or satellite, and and you have, you you watch streaming services. Yeah. You that kind of eliminates the the old school, like. Well, yeah, but the old the old school like you watch whatever you have to pick from whatever's there, right? So, I used right. to watch a lot of things on TV like when that was what I had. Like, yeah, you know, I had satellite when I was a teenager, and we had cable and stuff like that. You 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 scroll through what's on, and you and you well, click on something that looks interesting, whether it's the well, title or the description or the actor that's in it. Well, yeah, th- um, there's definitely something to be said for that. The biggest problem with out there is they. For some odd reason, they just have a problem getting internet out there. So, they have satellite. But my brother, like, that's just kind of like a side hobby. So, when we get together, we just kind of watch it. And, I mean, like, that's not something, like, I think he distinctively knew our dad does or anything. It's just, it just kind of happened. But, anyway. (laughs) Yeah, so the the movie, we we kind of rambled there. (laughs) The movie that... We ended up watching last night. Enemy Mine. Uh, it's called Enemy Mine. M I N E. Um, but is that supposed to be like my enemy or mine, like a mine shaft? Because I feel like uh, both of those terms could be used if you consider the plot. I think both could loosely apply, but I think yeah. it's it's a play on the the biblical reference, like the yes, presence right. of mine enemies. He prepares a place for me in the presence of mine enemies. This is mine enemy. This is enemy mine. Maybe we could see you here later on as we break it down, like, how it connects, yeah? That's the... Well, uh, I don't know how deep... I, mean, I don't know how deep this movie is, really. I, I think... <laughs> so, super deep. So, um, okay. The movie... Uh, Enemy Mine is a 1985 American science fiction action drama film directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Wolfgang Peterson who did Air Force 1. Yes. Oh. 
um, and written by Edward Karma, based on Barry B. Longyear's novella of the same name. I'm sure that's a treat. The film stars Dennis Quaid and Lou Gossett Jr. as a human and alien soldier, respectively, who become stranded together on an inhospitable planet and must overcome their mutual distrust in order to cooperate and survive. Uh, the movie was a box office and critical failure. Um, it failed to make back its budget. It was released on December 20th, 1985. Uh, the movie was exceptionally, um, exceptionally like we're talking like it was cheesy like on the the uh, level of it was of, not 80s cheesy this was like what you would see in like 50s sci-fi kind of bad but it was kind of like it, it was definitely behind its time if you've ever seen like Waterworld or Waterworld was Battlef recent. Battlefield Earth like a movie that's just like Waterworld was not this bad. No, Waterworld's not quite this bad. That's true, but like I enjoy the but, cheese of Waterworld. But, but like, it's it reminded me of that. It reminded me of like <laughs> Battlefield Earth, like just the worst kind of like just ridiculous sci-fi. Well, um, can we play like a tiny snippet? Well, we have to set that up. I don't think that would be like so. The the alien has this weird language. And well, he says the these alien weird. Is a drac. The alien is a is a re, like a reptilian alien, like a re, a reptoid type. A a, a non-binary reptilian um creature called a drac. A drac, yeah. A humanoid reptilian creature called a drac that um can reproduce asexually. Yes, it reproduces asexually, and unfortunately, that is a major plot point of the movie. It is definitely a major plot point in the movie. Uh, and uh, it had this really weird um, Chewbacca-like language going on. Yeah, but I kind of liked it. And I, like it's funny. Savannah just was obsessed with the the way the thing funny. the way the thing talks. So. Uh, right so she recorded this creature talking and wants to play it for everyone. Yeah. Soon we picked up one side, one other side. What with the war going on? Let's see. That little book you're always reading? Here I'm the go. one that's taking a stand. Remember, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for you sons of shit, Matt. Oh! She's mom. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> ah, this war begun by you, by humans! You know something, Jerry? Your great shizma eats shit. Oh. Well, so, sorry, I forgot about the cussing. Man, well, yeah, you could hear it in there. You could hear the thing doing the Chewbacca thing. Yeah, the, like, the, like, I don't, I don't even know what, what. His name was Jerry. Uh, well, yeah, the creature's name was, um, it, um, like, J Jeriba they, or something. So and, they called him Jerry. And, and, and Dennis Quaid calls him Jerry. Um, so basically what happens is they're, 
at the beginning of the movie, they are like uh, fighter pilots on their respective sides Planets, of this intergalactic yeah. war between the Drax and the humans, and they their dogfight leads them to crashing on this planet. At first, they kind of hunt each other, but then they sort of realize they need each other to survive. Um, the movie gets goofy there because they start teaching each other, like he teaches. Jer- I actually liked that. Part Jerry though. starts teaching uh, Dennis Quaid like the Drac language, Drac language, and Drac lineage, and all this kind of stuff, and 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 they teach and each other religion. They teach each other religion, and they have they actually have similar religious beliefs, which is interesting. And then yeah, yeah. No, I will say that was a really cool line. Um, because um, Jerry was like, be- because um, I don't remember, but but the 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 human was like, you know, I've heard that before, and it sounded like something from the Bible, and he was like, ah, yes, but that's because truth is universal. Yeah, he says truth yeah. is truth. Truth is yeah, truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I thought that was pretty cool, because um, I mean, like even in our own world, like the golden rule is kind of like universal. Yeah. But Yeah, I mean, it had it was not it a had okay moments. It was not like, a movie that was devoid of an attempt at having a philosophy and having themes and a point. Yeah, like yeah. it was not like someone just it's not like Wolfgang Peterson and and the people involved in this, yeah. certainly the person who wrote the novel that it's based on. It's not like they just tried to write a bunch of crap. It was just very weird. The movie's just very it, odd. It 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 was you know, I think it could have been the time period that the movie was made in, but I think also, like, design, you know, like, how designers now, when they're coming up with aliens in movies, like, for special effects and costuming, they try to make it something that's sort of familiar, so that way the audience can find some relatability to them still. Right. Like, like I was watching this thing, like, I love special effects and animation, so, like, that's my favorite thing about looking at movies and um like when you're siding with a character you want them to have something human so to speak about them to feel that relatability with them and I think part of what was going on is we were very um unattached to the drag because they were so obscure and about that time period of sci-fi a lot of people were making aliens look like all kinds of different things just for the sake of making them look alien. And I think maybe that had something to kind of do with it because to be reptilian, they also had like these weird circle things on their cheeks and um, these like cone heads that look like a snail butt. <laughs> No, but but am am I wrong? Like, <laughs> kind of. Like, that's an interest. Yeah, that's an interesting like, way of putting it. Yeah. Like. Uh yeah there, yeah I mean it was a weird looking reptilian. Thing. Yeah, like. So I I think maybe that kind of contributed to it. Yeah, in the, well, the goofy the goofiest thing is that what ends up happening in this movie is that Dennis Quaid, after some time passes, they're they're on the planet for like a couple of years, and then uh, Dennis Quaid decides that he's gonna go try to find something that could help them get off the planet. And when he leaves, 
uh, Jerry the Drax stays behind, um, and it's implied that there's it's implied that he has a, a good reason he doesn't want to divulge just yet. Mm-hmm. So then later, uh, when Dennis Quaid returns, uh, some some time later, he finds Jerry um, to be it's pregnant. Pregnant, yeah. Mm-hmm. And apparently, you know, the Drax reproduce yeah. asexually. Like they're they're like like when I said before, like they were asexual, non-binary species. They also like present more as male. I'm not like trying to get into like politics or make it sound weird, but like I think that's the terminology that people are using right now to like kind of explain and give it context. Like Jerry looked like a dude. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, Jerry was played yeah. by a dude. Well, yeah, like but, had but, like, a male, they didn't really typically tr- male voice. Yeah, yeah, they didn't like try to make the. There was aliens. no, there was no androgyny. Yeah, they were just like yeah, there was no like dudes. you weren't sure there was no there was no yeah. androgyny there was no uh, yeah like they were supposed to be like one gender there was no was fluidity like, of the gender per yeah. se in the way it was presented on yeah, the screen uh, yeah yeah it was it just was like just, a pregnant guy alien yeah like it was just a it was just like a guy alien that got pregnant and uh, yeah. that's was, what I was trying to say Thanks it was just very str- it was just a strange plot point and then. Uh, it was weird because the alien's like, I'm gonna die, and you have to raise my son, and you have... To, the only way he can join the Drax Society is... Uh, and, and again, I mean, even See, though... See, he even said son. That, that's... Well, yeah, I mean... Uh, and then they're like... Um, the only way... Zamus was gonna be the kid's name. The only way Zamus can join the, the society is if of Drax one day is if you um teach him the entire lineage of the Drax and he has to recite it to the council of Drax on the Drax homeworld or whatever and I don't even actually think they named the Drax homeworld I could have just maybe not been paying that attention to it but like I don't know if they did uh basically so then Dennis Quaid uh, uh he was just saying the the that he they have to go to the council of elders he receives the lineage and then he shares his lineage and then jerry gives birth and dies in childbirth um and And, and, well well, then then have to rip then he had to rip jerry's stomach open like it was gross yeah it was like i guess it was supposed to be as like a c-section <laughs> i don't know it was it was it was, it was so the movie was like really like uncomfortable to me at that point well, like well, yeah like like it was like why is this it certainly necessary? was it certainly wasn't sad which was what it was supposed to be but it but it wasn't yeah i think once again i just think it was just so far removed from right so like because you could have still told that storyline without having jerry get pregnant you could have had because the second part where he gets that connection with zamis he could find he could have rescued the child from a scavenger ship after jerry died and you know came to love the child and you still could have had the same thing, and it would have been. I agree. That would have been a made lot it. better. I'm not saying it would have been a great movie. I'm saying that it, it was a better idea. Yeah. It, yeah, I feel like it would have flowed better. Um, also, the Drac were being enslaved by sca- human scavengers, and 
they were sent to like mine on the planet. That's why I was like, yeah. It, it do, does the mine have something to do with? Yeah, maybe a double a double play there, or a double play on words. Mine, like it's it's I it, yeah, it could be both. There were I mean, on the, the the primary use is like this is mine enemy. You know, it's the religious right, reference. Right. But but yes, it, yeah. I think you're correct. It's. Like, it could be a double play for the mine yeah. that was on the planet where the like, uh, the scavengers were keeping the Drax as slaves. W- w- which I'm still trying to figure out what they were trying to mine on that planet because all that was happening on that planet was asteroids and bad, 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 bad weather, desert and snow. Yeah, it was hung back and forth between desert, snow, and asteroids hitting the planet. Meteors. It was. It was also vaguely volcanic. Yeah. That was weird, too. Yeah, and had, like, this weird snake thing that tried to eat it. There were weird, turtle. yeah, there were weird life forms. Like, like, like what, what was it with the turtle that looked like it had a snail head or a snake it head was, or something? It was really yeah. weird. It was really weird. But, but anyway, anyway, um, getting sidetracked, um, Zamis becomes, like, this cute kid that wants to be human because he sees his, quote-unquote, his uncle, you know... And he hasn't seen any other Drax. Um, he gets kidnapped by some scavengers. Yeah, well, because already Uncle tells him not to look. I'm sorry, I keep forgetting the human's name. Dennis oh, Quaid. He, Dennis Quaid's yeah, character the actor, the actor, is... Uh, Dennis Quaid's character like, in the movie is... Uh, his last name is Davidge. Okay, so Davidge. Willis Davidge. So Willis told him um we're not going in that direction because they're gonna kidnap you he zemus zemus is curious never seen any of his people before gets captured willis gets shot rescued by humans taken to sick bay um cured of a shot and he goes back rescues the kid and saves all of the Drac people that were on the planet by eventually leading a up and not intentionally leading an uprising, but kind of wind up lead, lead, leading an uprising against these scavenger humans. And uh, yeah, and then so takes the child to the planet, recites the lineage, and then Samus has his son that he names Willis. And that joins the lineage, and boom, it's over. But. It was, yeah. I mean, Savannah, I think, really enjoyed the experience of watching that movie. Um, well, I mean, that that's just uninhibited imagination that it took to create something so obscure. And, I mean, the story is simple enough. Like, if it had not been... Think about how many times this story has been told, not in that particular way. But guy has to raise his friend's child, um, rescues friend's child, and takes it him or her to like where they're supposed to be. Actually, one movie that does that better, Ice Age. <laughs> No, but think about it. Yeah. Like, maybe not they get attached to the human, but... And then they, like... But, you know, I mean... 
And actually, I retract that statement because if you consider Draco, Dra is it Drago? The the saber toothed tiger in that movie. It starts with a D. Diego. Yeah. Diego. If you consider Diego's character, like it's kind of the same idea. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I, I mean it's stretching, but I mean like that kind of story. You know how like there's particular sets of stories that are like the same thing like yeah so i mean i enjoy the idea of that story because i think that's a cute idea yeah. just not this movie if that makes sense yeah i mean I, no i get i get what you're saying i mean it was definitely one of the worst movies i've ever seen but i i get what i, I do get what and you're no, saying no i've definitely like, seen worse i've definitely seen oh, worse so oh like, you know <laughs> i i no, I mean it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I have yeah. seen worse movies. Yeah, it was. It, but it's, it's not, not a movie something you watch. I I don't think I wouldn't say we're talking about the movie to recommend it to anyone. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> like, the only thing I recommend is listening to the guy say "schma." Like which, that 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 was entertaining. Um, but you could also, like you said, do Chewbacca going like "wah." Yeah, I mean it was it was a Chewbacca level it was weird it was the whole yeah. thing was weird yeah but i mean it, it it's worth the talk yeah um and so yeah if if that sounds like it would be right up your alley um if you're like me and into weird movies i think it's on it it's on hulu i think is it yeah you checked i know i didn't check I was uh, say, you, you sent me the tech no watch it again? no never in my life you sent oh, me I the, you, you sent me the text message that showed its Rotten Tomatoes oh, yeah, score, the, the, and it oh, and it showed where it was oh, yeah. streaming, and it said who. Because I screenshotted it this morning because mm -hmm. you said Logan didn't think that was a real movie. I was like, Logan's not going to believe this is a real movie. Yeah, so I just sent you the th the deets. So. Yeah, so I had to like screenshot yeah, it to prove to Logan that was a real movie. <laughs> um, anyways, okay. so speaking of sci-fi movies involving aliens, um. <laughs> Oh, this is a week for it. Okay. So, um, I'm, this podcast was originally going to be a review of Moonfall, uh, like, <laughs> just me talking about Moonfall for a few minutes, um, and that was pretty much just going to be it. It wasn't going to be a long episode, it was just me talking about Roland Emmerich's new, uh, science fiction disaster film, Moonfall. Uh, which I'm going to do. I'm going to review it a little bit. Um, I will have to say that in order to really talk about Moonfall, I'm going to have to, uh, A, spoil everything. Okay. And B, I'm going to then have to, uh, to explain why I didn't particularly care for the movie, I'm going to have to explain why Roland Emmerich used to do these types of films much better 25, 30 years ago. So... Independence Day. Uh, as a case study, I'm going to look at three Roland Emmerich films. Moonfall, Independence Day, yeah. and Independence Day Resurgence from 2016. Sorry, yeah, that, that was, was our, our dryer. dryer. <laughs> um, get some water. Okay. Yeah. Um... So, Moonfall um, is a science fiction disaster film. 
It was co-written, directed, and produced by Roland Emmerich. The film is out in theaters now. It stars Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, John Bradley, who uh, played Sam in Game of Thrones, Samuel Tarley, uh, Michael Pena, Charlie Plummer, Kelly Yu, and Donald Sutherland. Uh, apparently, uh, yes, Donald Sutherland is 86 years old and he is still alive. Uh, I was a little shocked by that as well. Uh, the f- so far, it has received it has uh, received generally negative reviews. No, he he did not die. Uh, it had a budget of 138 to 146 million dollars. So far, it's made about nineteen and a half million this weekend. Um, it's probably, I would imagine, going to be a flop. Um, <laughs> basically, the premise of the movie is that Patrick Wilson's characters, and again, full spoilers, full, complete spoilers. Patrick Wilson's character and Halle Berry's character were astronauts in space about like 10 years ago and there was this there was another astronaut with them and long story short there was this like I don't even know what you would how you would describe it like a mysterious black swarm that attacks the mission and kills uh, the third astronaut that's not Halle so, Berry. So, so wait, when you say swarm, do you mean like it, it looks like a like what kind of swarm? Like like ships? No, species, no, no, no. It, it looked smoke, like the smoke. It well, it did space stuff. Well, well, it did not look like smoke, but it looked like something swarming at you. Okay. Um, wait. it was clearly some sort of like. AI type looking thing, like it was. It was. I, I can't describe it better than that. It, it was. Okay. Well, well, it was. I was just trying to be sure. Like, like I was like. It was a so mysterious like, black like smoke monster. No, 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 no. It does not. It, it doesn't look alien? like smoke. No, it doesn't. It well, it's very. It looks very alien. Yes, but it does not look. Uh, it does not look like smoke. It doesn't look like the smoke monster from Lost. Um. It attacks, it kills the astronaut that is not Patrick Wilson or Halle Berry. Um, and ten years later, uh, well, before that, I'm sorry. Um, on Earth, nobody believes Patrick Wilson. Um, Halle Berry was like blacked out or something, so she couldn't confirm oh, wow. his. She couldn't confirm his story, and nobody believes him, so he's fired and disgraced and all this kind of stuff. So, ten years later, um, conspiracy theorist Casey Houseman, portrayed by uh, Sam uh, Sam from Game of Thrones, John Bradley, um, is trying to convince people that the moon is an artificial megastructure. Um, and what kind of drugs? Uh, uh, there are some people out there that believe the moon is um, a spaceship or, or a artificial megastructure that's that there are people out there that believe this okay so he's this Casey Houseman character is one of those types um he comes to realize that 
the moon's orbit is shifting. It's getting closer to Earth, which should not be happening. Um, he attempts to share his findings with Halle Berry's character, who was like one of the bigwigs at NASA. Uh, then he, ex- he that doesn't work, so he tries to share his findings with Patrick Wilson. That doesn't work. Um, then they find out that there's some sort of abnormality going on with the moon, so they send a crew to the moon. Uh, the swarm comes back and attacks and kills all three crew members. Um, after they've dropped a probe into this huge hole in the moon that is clearly artificial. Um, so that that alerts everyone, hey, we're dealing with something crazy here. The moon does, as the title suggests, start to fall to Earth. Uh, cataclysmic uh, fallout ensues. Uh, there are like, uh, I mean, you can imagine the atmosphere is destroyed. Um, gravity is turned upside down. There are tsunamis. Um, uh, you find out that the U.S. government has known that the moon was a megastructure since uh, the original Apollo missions, but like that was like beyond top secret classified. And basically, it, it, it comes down to a cockamamie scheme to try to destroy the swarm. They realize that the swarm is um, AI in nature so they're going to try to uh, detonate an EMP at it or around it to destroy it Um, and all of that the first 10-15 minutes of the movie are interesting then it starts to speed up and gets really rushed there's a subplot involving the strained relationship between Patrick Wilson and his son and the son's stepfather, Michael Pena. There's like a, a three-way strained relationship there. There's a... Sounds like they're trying to do too much. Oh, they, one, try, they tried movie. to do entirely too much. There's a weird... There's like Halle Berry and her ex have this whole thing and then there's the kid and they... They, they try to do entirely too much in this movie um, and they do not give any of the character moments time to breathe so none of the big moments later in the movie when they want you to feel emotion hit at all so, so like, how long was this movie the movie like, was was this like a standard movie time like two, two hours, hours and two hours and ten minutes and if the movie had been two hours and 45 minutes or three hours it could have worked Logan and I both looked at each other about an hour and a half into the movie and said, look, there's a good movie in this movie, (laughs) right? There is a, this movie wants to be good. There are, it has a good cast. The acting is good. There are funny moments. Uh, John Bradley has a cat named Fuzz Aldrin, (laughs) which is the sweetest and most adorable thing ever. Um, um, there's, uh, there are funny jokes. 
Uh, John Bradley is always referencing Elon Musk and wishing he he knew what Elon would do in various situations. Um, <laughs> uh, there's, I, but it get a lot of the stuff gets shortchanged. Like what's going on in the world gets very shortchanged. You see a couple of very really rushed news reports. You see a couple of it's Roland Emmerich, so you see a couple of big disaster set pieces, but. It's mainly, it's wanting to tell this story about Patrick Wilson and Halle Berry and their relationships with their sons, but it doesn't allow that narrative to breathe whatsoever. It's everything in the second act is rushed. When you get to the third act... It ends up, no surprise, being Patrick Wilson, and again, spoiler alert, full spoilers. I'm going to spoil the end of this movie right now, okay? Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, and John Bradley end up on the moon. Their plan goes awry. They have to go down the artificial tunnel inside the moon. They realize that the moon is indeed a megastructure. Um, And what ends up happening is... um, Uh, basically when they enter the moon they discover that the swarm is siphoning off energy generated by a white dwarf that is at the center of the moon a white dwarf star that's been captured for like a a Dyson sphere Um, and it causes that the siphoning off of that energy is what's causing the moon's orbit to destabilize because its power source, which is this white dwarf star, is being compromised. Right. Um, so this, this is the big. The I, here's the well. Here's here's the big reveal. Okay. Okay. Sorry, right. I was just like. No. Here's the big reveal. You find out that the moon, what we think of as the moon, which is really this big artificial megastructure, was built. Um billions of years ago by the ancestors of humanity who were far more technologically advanced than their present day descendants. Ancient aliens? No, they were us. They weren't aliens. So like, it was us. It was like the original humans. The original humans that existed billions of years ago built the moon as an ark to find other planets where they could seed humanity because they had created this AI that was in all of their homes and helped them do everything and then the AI became self-aware and all of the, the AI joined itself into a singularity and became the swarm and it destroyed the original home world so they got on the moon they they well they left the original planet or whatever and they ended up using the moon as one of their artificial bases to help seed life on earth but it 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 was humans like so it was human like early humans seeding more humans and the AI was created by the humans too. So like it's not aliens, it's all humans. 
Um, the swarm is one of the AIs that found the moon, which was the last uh, arc. There, there had been other arcs where they tried to see life on other planets. Um, what ends up happening is KC, uh, so uh, Sam from Game of Thrones sacrifices himself to lure the swarm to the EMP and he detonates it. Uh, the moon has restored power so it returns to its regular orbit but not before doing a, a crap ton of damage of course. Um, the operating system of the moon uh, reveals that it has stored KC's consciousness. It appears to him in the form of his mother and states that they need to get to work. And he's like, get to work doing what? And then the movie ends. Hmm. Um, I don't actually think it was supposed to be setting up a sequel. I think it's fairly obvious that they're going to try to seed humanity on other planets. Um, and restore, re restore and repair Earth. I think it's pretty obvious that like there are some built-in explanations as to what they would possibly be doing. Um, but if they were hoping for a sequel, that's very presumptuous because I don't think this movie is going to break even or come anywhere close to it. Uh, I I think it's already opened in the other big markets <laughs> and if it hasn't already made back its budget in those other markets, I don't think that's going to happen. Um... Alright, so my problem with the movie is that all of the character work, the ideas, the themes in the movie about fathers and sons, the relationships, all that kind of stuff is shortchanged. Um, and Logan agreed with me on this. This Me and Logan talked about this a good bit after we saw the movie. That um, the... All of that just got shortchanged. Like, Roland Emmerich just wanted to blow stuff up. And he wanted to get to the cool twist ending. And that is just not what Roland Emmerich used to do. Now, that was what he was always criticized of doing. But, like, earlier in his career, that wasn't true. Because he has made some good movies that had some impactful moments. Right? Character moments. Um, you look at some of his earlier movies that he's known for, like Independence Day, Universal Soldier, Stargate, Independence Day. No way, he did Stargate? Yeah. Independence Day, the uh, the 98 Godzilla movie that everyone hates, but it still, had, it still actually had yeah. good character work, good character moments in it. Uh, the Patriot. Really? Um, the Day After Tomorrow, 2012. Okay, okay, The Day After Tomorrow makes sense. 2012. He he has he has done an Independence Day resurgence, which I'll talk about in a few minutes, was not a terrible movie. Um, he has done... Uh, well, in Midway. He did Midway in 2019, and it got really good reviews. Really? So this is, a, this, is, this is a guy that is capable of making good movies he is sort of the go-to disaster director because of his propensity for making movies about disasters and destroying cities and things like I mean, that the day after tomorrow was awesome um 
yeah, I'm a big fan of Day After Tomorrow and 2012, Independence Day. I, I even like the goofy Godzilla movie. Um, it's not a good Godzilla movie, but I did enjoy it as a kid because I was like eight when that movie came out. Um, but to properly frame why I didn't care for this movie very much, I have to kind of compare it to... What I did was I went home and I was like, you know, I can't quite put my finger on it exactly, but I know that the secret to why this movie didn't work lies with Independence Day, because that movie does work. So I went back and I watched Independence Day and Independence Day Resurgence um, because I wanted to think about why exactly um, this wasn't working. So, when I watched Independence Day, my first thought was, wow. Um, First off, I still really enjoyed this movie. I haven't seen it in in at least six years because I probably rewatched it before Resurgence came out. Um... But before that, it had probably been 15 years at least. Um, And the thing that you notice about Independence Day from Jump Street is it breathes. It breathes. It lets the... It sets up Randy Quaid's character and his messed up relationship with his children. It sets up um, uh, Will Smith's character... With, uh, with Vivica A. Fox and her son. It sets up Jeff Goldblum and his relationship with his father and his relationship with the, his ex who works for the president. It sets up the president and his relationship with his wife and his daughter. Yeah. It has these characters that are well written and well acted and, and you you care about those characters. You care about Will Smith and his friend played by Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. who's the other fighter pilot. Like, it... Uh, you you care about some of those like goofy scientists and people like in the movie that are trying or military people that are trying to help. It allows all of that to breathe, and it also has all the crazy sci-fi stuff in it. You, well, and, you also can't help but respect the president for going up there in space and. Well, yeah, it has. I mean, it has a lot of good rousing character moments, but like the difference between Independence Day. And this movie is, it doesn't rush the second act. It doesn't rush all those character moments. So when character, like when the president's wife dies, it's sad and Independence Day. When Will Smith's friend dies, that's kind of sad. Like you, you kind of like, I mean, it doesn't stop to like mourn him or anything, but it's kind of sad. You kind of get the. You kind of feel bad that that the dude blew up when when Randy Quaid dies at the end when he sacrifices himself. Yeah, he's a hero. You're proud of him, and it's bittersweet. Um, you know the the speech, the Independence Day speech that the president gives is just brilliant, and that is just totally missing from Moonfall. There's nothing like inspiring about it. There's nothing. Um, it, it's the very end is kind of cool, but up until that moment, the character stuff has just not been the ground hasn't been laid for it very well. 
and I wanted to see I, I wanted to see if there was a bridge between the two and so that is why I decided I would watch Independence Day Resurgence to see if there were some warning signs about how goofy Moonfall was going to be. So I watched Independence Day Resurgence for the second time since it came out in 2016. At the time when it came out, my thought process was um, Will Smith has opted not to be in it, so that's really lame. And I don't understand at this point, you can't even get you know, Will Smith to come back for the thing. Why do we really need a, uh, an, an Independence Day sequel 20 years later? And of course the answer is no. Um, but I did not think it was a terrible movie. I just felt like they sort of obliviously made a movie that would have been a good sequel in like 2000, about three or four years after the original movie. Uh, and they just sort of were irrespective of the fact that... Um, it had its day. <laughs> Movies are different now. Um, and, but watching it again, comparing it to Moonfall, guess what? Even with the new characters, the moments are allowed to breathe. Um, it, it has a little bit of that moonfall tendency to rush through things just a little bit, but it mostly reminded me of Independence Day. Like, it, it had a lot of the familiar faces, familiar types of set pieces, uh, but this time it did something really interesting, which was um, it showed how the humans had retrofitted the... Um, alien technology over the years to improve their technology and um, it was a long movie that clicked by and the character moments were there and, and the things that were supposed to be emotional were emotional and it, 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 it worked Moonfall then in context of Independence Day and even Independence Day Resurrection, uh, Resurrection Independence Day resurgence that was uh, you know that was made just six years ago that makes me think that Roland Emmerich just either is getting tired uh, as he's getting older or maybe he was just so excited about getting to that twist at the end of this movie that he probably imagined to be super clever that he didn't do his due diligence when they were writing the script because Moonfall really should should have been a good movie. Uh, Logan and I were both disappointed because it could have been a good movie. I mean, it's the the concept is goofy, but like there was a good movie within that concept, um, and it just it wasn't there and. Logan's not here to talk about it, obviously. He does share a lot of the same sentiments that I have. Um, but uh, I think that's really all I particularly want to say about it right now. I mean, yeah. there's Savannah didn't actually see it, so she, she can't really contribute to this part of the discussion. Uh, it's not really, <laughs> that wasn't really her bag. That, I, I wasn't interested know. in watching that one. 
Um. Um. So, before we go, I I will say that. No, I am interested in this one. Um, Savannah and I have been watching the Righteous Gemstones on HBO Max, and, and it's great. the Righteous Gemstones is one of the most satisfying um, black comedy. I've ever seen, I think. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, The Righteous Gemstones is a, a a dark comedy. It's on HBO Max. It was created by Danny McBride. Um, the series follows a famous dysfunctional family of televangelists. Uh, John Goodman <laughs> is the patriarch of the family. Um, it also stars Adam Devine, um, Edie Patterson, Walton Goggins, Cassidy Freeman, lots of other people. Skylar Gisondo, uh, lots of recognizable faces. Um, and it is hilarious. Um, it's gotten really good reviews. It's finished its second season now. Um, and uh, my nephew had contacted me a few days ago and said he's finished season two and that, it, that he's just it's been a long time since he's liked a series this much. And I've got to say, it is very funny. It is very, very funny. If you grew up in the South and you grew up around church culture in general, it's funny. But if you grew up uh, very, very aware of mega churches and televangelist types, um, you know, the, the like, I guess the... Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, um, <laughs> you know, the, uh, to some extent, the John Hagees of the world. Like, these people that are... Jimmy Swig. Yeah, the, the, these people that are... Uh, what's his name? Joel Osteen. These people that are like... have become like these rock stars where they have thousands of people at church every Sunday and they fly around on private jets and they have ungodly amounts of money but but they almost always turn out to be uh caught in scandals involving prostitutes and drugs um they're almost always accused of terrible well, you said rock star yeah they have these like rock star lives or whatever it's very funny all of these people are very talented and very funny um and it is probably the funniest uh, TV show like on like a cellular level like the funniest thing I've seen in a long time and uh, Savannah and I are both enchanted by it. I love uh, it. enjoying that um, I am loving it yeah so so where do you want to begin on that one oh well I mean whatever you want to talk about I mean like, yeah I'm I think the strongest thing about it is actually the characters because they're jerks but they're not the worst jerks. Yeah, I mean they're 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 all presented Very as flawed. presented as flawed but like they're also the protagonist of the story so like you root for them. Um that's well, a testament well, to how they're written. It's not necessarily that you're rooting for them in the things that they're doing always, but you're rooting for them to you're rooting for them to be happy, I think. Not and 
and for their family to you root for the family element of it you want the family to stop being dysfunctional um and i think that that is a testament to the strength of the writing and the performances that you want these people to you want this family to be what it presents to the world as. Well, I was thinking when you said it was going to be like a Kimberly, a, a Kenneth Copeland or like a Jimmy Swagger type thing, I thought they were going to be extremely just like outwardly corrupt. Like like it was just so obvious. Like what's that one show you were watching about the Miami family? No, the Key West family that had the Oh, hotel. Bl- Bloodline. Bloodline, yeah. I thought it was going to be something like that where the family's just like a- almost like an aristocracy of sort like snobby rich people and it's not that like I think they genuinely believe like like they, they truly believe that they're doing the right thing for these people by building these mega churches and by doing these things even though they're just getting rich off of it like 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 i don't think like they're they don't they're they're not like trying to con people out of their money like like i they're trying to make a lot of money off of it but they think that they're doing something they think that making a lot of money and and being wealthy and successful is what they're supposed to be doing. They think that's how ministry works. Like, and so you can tell that like they're they're complete and total hypocrites, but there is a complete and utter lack of irony where the thought never crosses their mind that what they're doing is wrong in any in any way shape or form. And that is what is so exciting. Excuse well, well, me. Well, I yeah, to it's get kind up of out of this chair and the chair makes this loud scraping noise. Well, um, it, it, I, I just can't get over how refreshing that is because so many times recently characters are starting to go a lot more flat. Like you had that whole anti-hero phase where everybody was kind of like the good, the bad guy that's doing good things and, you know, and then all of a sudden like we're, we're going back to like really defined lines like where the rich are all evil, the poor are either like trashy or they're trying to just make it and survive and here's these people they're really screwed up people but they're also endearing yes yeah so like no i i I, yeah i agree um i mean it's the characters are endearing the character the characters are likable and i think that that's what makes the show so worth watching um but that's the righteous gemstones that's on hbo max um, I think we're almost done with season one. Yeah, we're almost done with season one. Um, so that's there are two seasons that have been produced. Um, I think that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about this week. Um, Logan not being able to join us, um, of course, means that you um, weren't able to get a lot of his take on certain th- certain things like Moonfall. Um, hope I represented his thoughts as well. Uh, to the best of my ability. We will be back next week. Logan will be on the podcast next week. We will be... um, Actually, I'm not entirely sure what we're going to be discussing, so he and I will still have to talk about that. There are some movies coming out over the next couple of weeks that we want to see, so stick around. There will be coverage if you would like 
to contact us, please email us at lnjpod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at the Logan and uh, Jake Take Facebook mm-hmm. page. We're on Twitter and Instagram at lnjpod. Um, and please consider becoming a monthly uh, donator. You can donate as little as 99 cents per month or as much as $9.99 a month. Um, all you got to do is click the link that says support this podcast in the show notes or however you listen to it. Be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. If you listen to us on the Apple Podcast, no matter where you are in the world, please give us a five-star review. Leave a comment. That helps. Um, thank you again to all the people who are supporting, all the people who are listening. Uh, we will be back next week. And I think that's everything. Good night. Uh, And thank you for filling in for Logan. Savannah, you did a wonderful job. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. And we will talk to you guys next week.